you tell everyone, oh, he's severely autistic, and they've gone, oh, but he's quite active. Oh, and oh, but he's very clever. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like how do you, how do you, how do you educate society uh, to, you know, to, to mold into this neurodivergent world when everyone's so educated and raised to be neurotypical? Welcome to Raw the Podcast with Amy and Grecian, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life, special needs and infant loss, to those everyday mum life struggles we all feel. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone. I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to Premier Boys James and Jack. I'm the founder of my own small business and support network, Miracle Mama, where I advocate fiercely for the infertility, Premier and special needs community. And I'm Grecian, mama of four girls, including two full-termers, Adeline and Macy, and a set of Premier twins, Hannah and Riley, born at 25 weeks. I'm an IVF warrior and am passionate about sharing the unfiltered ups and downs of motherhood. We don't share your average mama stories, and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief, and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could even imagine, so at this point we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly, let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. It's a place to have real and raw conversations. Ask those questions that may be playing on your mind. And above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles bring to our lives. And we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, We are forever a part of something truly special, a community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm, and together we'll roar. (laughs) Okay, welcome back, Roarers. We have a special guest with us today that we're going to bring in straight away. Yeah. As well. Now, see, I can't talk. Hi, Jordan. (laughs) Let me take over. Hi, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, this is why Amy does the intros. <laughs> we have the lovely Jordan with us, who is mum to Lincoln, who is with Grecian again. We have another guest that is at Grecian's house recording together. Yeah, well, I was yeah. at Lizzie's house last time. Now Jordan's okay. come to me, so this is what happens when we're in the same state or in the same. Yeah, 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 same state. Having a string of string of Perth um, guests, all of Grecian's friends. Yes. All of our medical friends who you've honestly just met through <laughs> through this world, haven't you? Literally yeah. through Instagram, yeah. But yeah, like probably don't go a day without talking. Um some Which form is so of message. Nice. Crazily dependent on each yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. We have another special guest. We oh, have yeah, Riley. I was say, who's, who's walked, walked into in. the room? <laughs> yeah. Who's walked so in your, the door? Riley, so what your are you doing? Hi, Riley. You say hi. Hi, Riley. 
<laughs> you say hi, Roarers. Hi, Roarers. All right, Jordan, we're going to throw you, I'm going to throw you in the deep end. Can you, do you have a mumbrae moment? Do you have a recommendation for us, a high from your last week, something you want to share with us straight up? My whole life is a mum moment. I've got, <laughs> I've got no idea. Um, a mum moment. I don't know, my whole life, every day. Or a recommendation for parents, something you use with Lincoln that changes your life, makes your life easier. Recommendation for parents. At the moment, Lincoln's really loving his second scout tile, like routine tile things. Oh, yes. And as much as at the moment he's not quite understanding of what each means the perspective of being able to use it as a puzzle and with magnetic tiles and cause and effect that is a game changer it's great amazing so that is my recommendation yeah we love our second scale yeah so good for kids that need that structure and routine Mm. and that love the award of being able to turn it over and see the star once they've done it yeah it's really cool i'll share that in this in the show notes in case you haven't heard or seen one but yeah they're really cool all right, Grecian, you said you had some funnies today. I do. I do. I actually wrote them down because usually it's you who writes them down yeah. and I forget. Nothing's been funny in my life for weeks. <laughs> um, so the other week we were doing some cooking and Macy was helping me and she'd had enough and went outside and I dropped an egg and I yelled, oh, shit, and in the background all I could hear was Macy go, oh shit <laughs> just outside like just yelling the same thing she likes to I'm, repeat I'm pretty everything. sure Riley just said it then as well <laughs> yes she did yeah so yeah my children like to repeat to, to parrot me it's nothing funnier though when it's a swear word I love it <laughs> oh it's so cute because it's so innocent and they don't know what it means yeah yeah um and then the other day <laughs> the other day um Oh, was it when I was taking you into hospital? I can't remember. Um, but she was being quiet in the car and, like, obviously concerned when she goes quiet mm. because mm. you're like, are you having a seizure? So I kept – she just had a couple of absent seizures. And I was like, uh, Riley, I don't like it when you're quiet. Like, Riley. And then she goes, oh, Mum, I'm okay. <laughs> like, in this, like, teenager tone. Yeah, this, like, like bloody oh, hell, stop mom. worrying about me, Mum. You're always worrying. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I cracked up laughing. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so they're my funnies for the week. I'm going to bring a different, little bit of a different uh, segment, I guess, just for today. Mm-hmm. But mine's a bit of a something that made a difference in the past week. So yeah, okay. when Jack was in hospital, I had a phone call from our GP and I know their number, it comes up as, you know, doctor <laughs> on my phone. And I was like, oh, how coincidental that they're calling me when I'm in hospital with Jack. Anyway, I answered it and it was actually my GP, not receptionist or anything. And he goes, oh, I've just seen that um, Jack's swab came back positive for COVID I just wanted to check and see how he is we knew that he was going to struggle when he got COVID so I've just been really concerned (laughs) bless him and I was like oh we're actually in hospital (laughs) yeah but the fact that his GP personally took the time to call us and check in on us knowing that he got that result like yeah made a huge difference in my week just knowing that we've got someone that I can trust like this is my GP I can call him first thing in the morning and he'll always find like they'll always find a spot for me or they'll, he'll call me back um yeah and I think 
it's rare these days. Oh, yeah. 100%. We still don't have one. Oh, still don't have one. A GP. It's a struggle trying to find one. It is. Yeah. yeah. Such a struggle. And especially one that you can get into regularly. Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of glad that I found this GP before Everyone the rest else. of <laughs> the state did. Yeah, that's good. That's great. All right, Jordan, let's get into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So like your family, where you live. Do you have any hobbies, what you like, what you don't like? So I am a mother of two kids. So Isla is three and Lincoln is two. Yes, they are very, very close, close together. together. Um, living in Perth, likes and dislikes. At the moment, my whole life revolves around this disability space. Um my likes I used to love cars well I do love cars mm. um before having kids I was a lot more involved with them prior compared to now um now that Isla's at an age where she can be involved a bit more mm. it's definitely easier to enjoy things and go to car shows and things like that but Lincoln struggles oh, so yeah. mm. um trying the sort of headphones and distractions and things like that at the mm. moment um is helping definitely helping but yeah I'm definitely not as involved with the car community than I used to be yeah um, that just changes in having kids in general as well. Yeah, but it's it's also made harder when you've got a child that can't really, you know, come along and cooperate as well. Like when they've got the extra needs, it does mean you have to give up a little bit more than maybe another parent might have to, which sucks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel like we've um, I've sort of stepped away from a lot of everything that I used to really it was, mm. you know, brunches and lunches and meeting up with people and movie nights and stuff like that, that I did when Isla was little, um, compared to sort of the last year, um, it was okay in the first year of Lincoln's life. And now he's two. So the, the first half was, um, getting these diagnoses and trying to sort of find an awareness of who Lincoln is mm. in, in this whole, um, space, I suppose, compared mm. to now where he struggles a lot more as he's getting older. And I think mm. that's where, um, I kind of had this mis- misconception of what it was going to be like. Like I knew that he was going to struggle and I knew that we had um, a, a long road ahead of us from when he was born. But that first year definitely gave us a, a different perspective compared to now. The, yeah, compared to now. Mm. Like, yeah. Things sort of go downhill when you don't really expect it to. Yeah. So I think now that now that we're in that second half of the year, yeah, this one, like this one. Yeah, yeah. In the room. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so things just develop as they get older and you sort of, you start to lose everything. Like you start to lose those friends that didn't get it. And I actually had a friend, an, an old friend, um, catch up with us and she's like, so have they fixed him yet? And I was like, mm, uh, I just slapped it. <laughs> um, uh, I, I'd been drinking, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> but I was just baffled, like. Um, no, they've not fixed him. I'm sorry. Like, oh my God. What, what do you want me to say to that? So He's not broken. I think, yeah, yeah. That's, that's sort of one of the hardest things, definitely seeing friends step away that just don't get it. And that's okay because it shows the kind of friends that they are or were. Yeah. Um, I don't need them in my life now. But, yeah, that was definitely one of the hardest oh. pills to swallow. And that's a really interesting point you made. Like, I think, you know, in the first year as well, they – people check in and they, they're interested and they want to hear and they want to know and they kind of maybe think that it's only going to be short term and that they won't have to, I shouldn't say deal with it, yeah. but that's how some people, they are, they're just dealing with it yeah. because it's what you're dealing exactly with. Right. And then after, as time goes on especially, they become less interested or it becomes, you know, they don't want to talk about that all the time or 
you know, I've even had people who just have blatantly said they don't want to hear about it anymore because it's sad. <laughs> so that's, it is true. Like it doesn't, for us, we can't escape it or get away, but people do tend to, you find them trying to escape it and slowly withdraw from from it all, which is, yeah, that's another part of it getting harder as it goes on. I think you start to lose people as well and lose your supports. Definitely. Oh, God, we're getting deep heavy yeah. early. <laughs> yep. All right, so we're here to speak about your darling boy, Lincoln, who absolutely just lights up my Instagram feed. He's the most handsome little soul ever. I just love him. Um, so on the guest speaker application form, you described Lincoln as nil by mouth, nonverbal, on-the-go toddler, keeping me on my toes. <laughs> so I was just thinking, why don't you, you tell us all of Lincoln's diagnoses, I guess, to begin so that we can paint a picture for our listeners early on and then maybe lead into where it all sort of began. You know, filling in that paperwork was actually quite hard because I was like, how do I describe him where I'm not describing his disabilities as Mm. him? Mm. And I had to reword that a good 60,000 times. Um, But Lincoln's diagnosis are quite, quite, they're quite vast at the moment. So we're sitting at um, paediatric feeding disorder with aspiration because he has dysphagia. Um, he has laryngomalacia, tracheobronchomalacia, subglottic stenosis. Mm-hmm. Um, he is quite ataxic. He has hypotonia, hypermobility. Um, he ha- he did have transient tachyapnea. Tachy- oh my god, I can't say it. Tachyapnea? Yeah, nurse. Yeah, nurse. nurse. Tachypnea, like fast yes. breathing. Yeah, yep. of the newborn. <laughs> yeah, neonatal okay. neonatal sepsis and uh, level three autism. So that's a new diagnosis that we have had as well. Okay, so that's a lot just for in two years, isn't it? So where did it all start? NICU, Southern NICU. So he was born and I um, had said to the nurse that I didn't think he was breathing right and she stood there in front of me and goes, go have a shower, I'll take care of him. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, was so, he full term? Uh, he, was, he was only two weeks early. Okay, so yep. 30, 38 weeks. Yeah, so he was induced yep. for reduced movement. Yep. Um, the nurse was like, you go have a shower because I had a failed epidural, which was fab. That was great. Amazing. Mm. Um, blessing mm. in disguise, though, because then I could walk to NICU to follow him. Yeah. So that was mm. definitely something that I was like, you know what, this is actually good. Mm. Um, but it took four hours after birth for a doctor to come and see him when I had said, look, I've had my shower. He's still not breathing properly. I'm not happy with this. Like someone needs to come and see him. And after all the nurses saying, no, 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 he's fine, he's fine. It's just because it was a precipitant delivery. So um, probably TMI, he was one push and was here. So there was no, Mm. um, there was no struggles in sense of like, they didn't believe me that I needed Mm. to push. And so he was born, um, a doctor took one look at him and was like, this child needs to be admitted. And then it was go, go, go. Like, so four hours of lulling and going, no, mum, you're overreacting, it's fine, to, oh my God this kid needs to be in NICU. So we were rushed to NICU. Um, by this point, it was like past midnight. Uh, rushed to NICU, chest x-rays, um, feeding tube put in, put on CPAP, high flow. It was just mm. wild. Like, it, And being my second child, mm. um, NICU wasn't actually even on my radar. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it wasn't. I had a friend who had a child who was in NICU for nine weeks and um, – I think because it was her firstborn, I was like, oh, it's not going to happen to me. It's, this is my second but you'd child. Already, yeah, you'd already had a baby yeah. before. So you had that gut instinct that you knew the breathing wasn't right, yeah. but never it went to being like, 
thinking you'd end up down this mm, path. Yeah, yep. not at all. Not at all. Um, we were only in NICU for a couple of days and when we were discharged, I still wasn't happy with his breathing, but they're like, he'll grow out of it. And I swear to God, I've heard that so mm. many times from other parents. <laughs> he'll grow mm. out of it or other professionals. Mm-hmm. He'll grow out of it. And it came to three months old when he fell sick with um, RSV and four to five other respiratory viruses and nine weeks in and out of Fiona Stanley Hospital mm, God. Um, to a point where I actually saw a specialist and he said, you need to meet me at Perth Children's Hospital. We, we can't be seeing him here. Mm. So that was when I was like, okay, this, right, is, this, is, this is something yeah, this serious. Is and he knew it. Yeah. He knew it. Um, so yeah, from then onwards, it's just been a snowball, mm. really. It's just been fighting for answers ever since. But he has no overseeing diagnosis, like so. Like Riley's got the cerebral palsy, which obviously is like the umbrella of having everything underneath. No. There's nothing yet that's no. So they're questioning cerebral palsy still. Yeah. Um. So that's still, and that has actually come up only as of recently. Um, however, before at that stage, it was floppy airways, laryngomalacia, floppy airways. So that was, that was our initial umbrella. Yeah. Um, he went in for his supraglottoplasty at four months old Mm -hmm. to support the floppy airways. And they came out of surgery and said, so what we thought was a hundred percent of the problem is only 20%. Um, he has tracheobronchomalacia and subglottic stenosis and, watching my child lay there uh, still still sedated um to be told that at four months old was something that I never Mm. thought I'd ever have to endure um that that was the point where I felt like my world came crashing down because I was like great I've spent the last week um at that point effortlessly researching laryngomalacia to then go what the hell is all this other shit I've been looking (laughs) to now and um that was that was the be all or end all for me from that from that point I was like cool this is a rabbit hole that I'm going down and I'm probably not coming back up anytime soon (laughs) so that's exactly how it went it's true though so true yeah Yeah. I feel there's so many similarities to Jack in what you've said like so many I think that's why I with Grecian's Facebook uh, Instagram Mm. I was like who is this girl like I need to I need to reach out to this lady because I I need her Mm. in my life and I think it was because no. the things, well, the things with Riley at that stage similar. were so similar. Yeah. And then I could see the struggles that Riley was having and then getting her fitting tube. And I was like, this is mm. Lincoln. Like, this is, okay, so if Riley's now needed a fitting tube, then I can see that Lincoln's going down that same path and taking the same footsteps as Riley. Mm. Like, what do I need to to advocate more for and what do I need to look for to, yeah. to get those answers? Yeah. And um, that's ultimately how Lincoln's Instagram started, actually. It was a thought in the back of my mind for ages and it wasn't until I was like you know what I need other people in this community to help me because at the moment I'm fighting myself and I can't do it anymore yep just like with you saying you were in and out of hospital like eight times with viruses um before someone actually said something else is going on exactly the same as Jack the floppy everything being put down to the floppy airways um, it was only like six months old that someone finally said, oh, is he aspirating? And that's when, you know, it all it all unraveled from there as well for us. So, yeah, yeah. very similar. Yeah. Well, we had we had a bedside scope. And I remember this so clearly. Yeah. It was it was nine o'clock on a Wednesday night and I had said to them, 
I, they want us to discharge us the following morning. And I was like, I'm not going. Mm-mm. I need to see someone. And I had been hysterical all afternoon. And the nurse coordinator came in and was like, look, I've called the doctor over from Charlie's because it's just across the road, the adult's hospital, across mm. from Perth Children's Hospital. Um, it was our second admission to PCH for the same thing in a matter of weeks. And she's like, it's not good enough. And I know that you feel there's something else going on. Mm. Let's get him over. So he came over, he did a bedside scope, and as I'd said, I've effortlessly looked into laryngomalacia, so I kind of knew what I was looking for when I mm. was looking at the scope and I could see it clear as day. Mm. And um, he turned around and goes, nah, nothing there, I think he's fine. Oh, After gosh. I just held my child for a bedside scope at four months old um, and I, at that point again, just, I threw myself to the floor. I was like, okay, so if you couldn't pick that up, then who else could? Cause I need to see them. Um, yeah. so then the next morning we end up seeing the head of, head of ANT and he did another bedside scope and goes, this kid needs surgery next week. Oh my God. Um, like, does it hurt? Like, oh. Oh my how, God. how has it gotten to a point where, yeah, like, whereas us as parents are, mm. are teaching the professionals to go this is what you need to look for in my kid because this is what I've seen um and that's effectively how we've come about for all of Lincoln's diagnosis now because I've gone I've spoken to another parent that has a child you've suggested the diagnosis Lincoln yeah yeah and it's the only way Mm. the only way we've come about any of it the the absent seizures the the ringo malaysia even the autism my god the autism at one point um was not even in the back of my mind and mm. like I didn't even didn't even question it until I started seeing other parents that had children with autism and they've gone do you think maybe and I'm like mm. oh, it just maybe. plants that seed but then you do your um, own that, research that wasn't that wasn't yeah. something that I needed to focus on at yeah. that point mm. it was it was his health it's the same with Jack and cerebral palsy like still still not a diagnosis that we've got but it's something that's sprung into my mind because I've been doing research or I've seen other kids or someone's popped into my inbox and said, Oh, it's interesting how Jack's got that arm swing when he runs. That's how my son was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And like just these things that start to build up and then you take it to the doctor and they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But like how, how bizarre that it, um, yeah. But it's, it's so true. Like a couple of times someone like nurses have said to me, you know, your child better than any of us here. Like, and it's so true. And I wish I wish all of them sort of practiced that way instead of being on the defence straight away. Like actually listen to us as parents first because, yeah. God, we're generally right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so don't get me started yeah. with EMT. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, here's this, this whole ad- advocating, fighting for your child. It comes up every single episode, every guest. It's the same, unfortunately, mm-hmm. which just shows, doesn't it, how how it's all a bit backwards, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, Lost without each other, that's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, just quickly, what sort of, what does Lincoln look like today at two years old in terms of, I don't want to say diagnosis, you've kind of list, listed them, but his development, um, speech, all of those sorts of things. So Lincoln's nil by mouth. Um, if we were to try and give him anything to eat, it will either be a no and throws it off the table or throws it away from him with a meltdown. Um, or if it's something that he is interested in, like at one point he was in love with cheese balls, mm-hmm. um, he would hold it up to his mouth mm-hmm. and taste it and lick it and nibble it. Sometimes we put it in his mouth and would actually eat them. Like and it was a full crunching mm-hmm. swallow motion. 
um, but generally it's lining them up and then throwing them off the table in one by one. Um, mm-hmm. Communicating wise is difficult. So um, we don't have any words that mean anything in mm-hmm. a sense. So mm-hmm. he has been um, diagnosed as, and just actually one thing I didn't put down, is a Geshult language processor. Yep. And when I heard that, I was like, what in the world is this? Because he will repeat sentences so of Masha and the bear. Yeah. And she's standing there. She's like, help me, help me, with her hands up against her mouth. You know, help me. Help. And he does that. He repeats and he, he copies does that. everything. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Down to the hand yeah. yeah, down to physical, physical movement to copy exactly what the movie or TV show is doing. Um, yep. to a point where I actually had to turn the TV off for a bit because mm. it kind of got to a point where he would become obsessed with watching it and I had to take him away from it. Um, mm. And I felt bad because I was like, but he's using he's using his communication, mm, yeah. but then it's not really it's communication not in a sense. It's no. just, it's echolalia. Yeah, that's what um, it's called. Yeah. Echolalia. Yeah. And as much as I was using it in his everyday life, like the help me, help me, that's when it became dangerous because mm. it was help me, help me. And he wouldn't be stuck, but he'd be screaming out the top of his lungs. And I was like, oh, my God, something's wrong. Um, Yeah, yeah. or he's not in pain, but he's making it sound like he's in pain because he is copying something. So Mm. we're starting to do it with Ira lately as well. She'll be like, I've got an owie. And he's like, owie, owie. And I'm like, where are you, owie? And I'm like, oh, it's not actually something that I need to be worrying about because you're not, you're just copying. So developmentally, where does he sit on like obviously we don't like to compare but like as a typical two-year-old completely bottom end of the scale yeah completely yeah trying to compare him to uh, look it's really hard because he can still run and jump and climb and he's an mm-hmm. impulse climber um he's he's got the strength there that he knows how to use it when he's got the energy yeah if he doesn't have the energy um, he could sit there and you can effectively put him down to playing with blocks like a nine-month-old. Yeah. Um, mm. He will be happy to play on his own, um, but then that obviously comes down to the autism. Uh, in terms of comparing him to another two-year-old, you just can't. You just can't. And that's where daycare, health stuff aside, day- daycare is just not an option for us. Um, mm. Other other supports of play groups and things like that with other children that are at the physical perspective with him of you know being able to run around and in a circle and jump up and down and things like that and as much as he can't jump with two feet off the ground he still makes all that mighty effort like Riley yeah. does yeah um you just can't compare him to another two-year-old and I think that's the hardest part as well because everyone around me was having kids at the same time everyone mm-hmm. around me was mm-hmm. having kids and it was it was that close age gap of Isla and Lincoln being 12 months apart but mm-hmm. they were really really closer to a year and a half if not sometimes more yeah um and it didn't hasn't really become apparent until the last six or so months yeah I was gonna say the last six months as he gets older yeah, yeah. the last the last six the months, gap gets bigger hugely yeah hugely yeah. And Isla's just out there advancing and she was, you know, tall and trained at 18 months on her own, you know, like it was effortless. And yeah. and then mm. trying to not get myself caught up in the matter of, but he's a boy and she's a girl. Mm. That was something yeah. that everyone, everyone would try and mask it. Now, Jordan, don't forget that Isla is a girl. 
Yeah. And Lincoln is a boy. And girls are and typically girls. faster at toilet training and all that stuff than boys. Everything. And yeah. Come down to communication and toilet training. And I'm like, Lincoln can sit in a shitty nappy for hours. And unless someone actually smells it, it smells or checks, <laughs> like yeah. they, you know what I mean? Mm, like yeah. it's not even a, not even a thing. Like him mm. noticing that he is uncomfortable is just not, not there. Not there. Not there at all. And it's so hard not to compare when it's when it's in your own home. Like you're living mm-hmm. with the both of them so, literally side by side every day. You know, you can yeah. go out and kind of try and avoid kids the same age or you only see glimpse of, glimpses of them so it's not as apparent. But when you're living with two kids so close together, it's really hard to avoid the comparisons. Well, my best, my best friend's son is a month older than Lincoln mm. and mm. he – um is much better at playing and communicating with Isla to the point where it's not actually beneficial for Lincoln to have him over over. to play it's Isla because Isla has that other kid that she can talk to and play with and reciprocating with and um Mm. Lincoln just does his own thing half the time he barely even acknowledges that anyone else is there like I could I could leave the house and he wouldn't even know like he'd just just do his own little thing um, yeah. which is a, the scary thing, scary thing about it. Mm. Yeah, very scary. All right, let's go back to feeding. When did your tube feeding journey begin? <laughs> In October. So October last year, our, fridge, our food tubing. There's your mum brain moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> our tube feeding journey started. So only recently. Yeah. Mm. It has, it has been a shit show. So it all started initially, the feeding issue started at six months old. Mm. It was actually five months old. They said to me, you need to, PCH, sorry, had said to me, you need to start feeding him early. I know that you wanted to do baby lead weaning Uh, like you wanted to do with Isla, but he's on the third percentile. He's got failure to thrive. Um. Go figure, right? I'd been telling them this since the get-go. Like, he is tiny. He throws up more than what he takes in. I've tried thickened. I've tried not breastfeeding. Um, Our breastfeed journey was caught, shut, was stopped, oh, my God, was stopped short um, because Mm. I thought it was me. Mm. Um, Isla was a refluxy kid and I was like, eh, same thing. Maybe it's the same same thing. Um, But no, then five months old after his Supra and they'd realised that that month, hadn't really changed too much in a weight perspective they're like you need to start feeding him solids um to have that thicker to have that thicker consistency more calories yeah yeah didn't work it didn't Mm. work it was until nine months old I persevered of daily routinely morning lunch dinner like breakfast lunch dinner feeding him these purees or giving him something hard mouthable to chew on like a, a rusk stick yeah. or any of that and every time I was cleaning up vomit every time to the mm. point where like I was just a walking vomit rag like I actually had nothing left in my soul to have confidence and pride in myself because I was like you know what I'm gonna feed my kid and he's just gonna throw up on me like whatever uh, um yeah. and it got to the point where I was so um, I was just so used to it. And I was like, you know what? This is not right. Like mm. everything mm. that I feed him, he is throwing up more than what I've given him. Like what mm. are we doing about this? And um, during this time, of course, we had the um, COVID. 
COVID. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, what, what's the, it called? The, the, the thing. That thing that <laughs> stuffed <laughs> everyone up. We had COVID. World up. So yeah. everything was video call. Yeah. And yeah. that's what fucked us up the most. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Every kid got painted with the same brush. Yep. And it was, these are your pamphlets. I'm going to email this to you. This is what yeah. you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, go out and buy some dried mangoes. Oh, so uh, you laugh. <laughs> oh, you're exactly so funny. I wouldn't be surprised sorry. if you got the same pamphlet. Some dried mangoes. I didn't get dried mangoes. <laughs> dried mangoes. Got dried strawberries. It was beef yeah. jerky. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So I stopped. I completely stopped giving him solemns. And I was like, this is making him throw up so mm-hmm. much more than what you guys imagine. And it got to a point where I was just emailing videos. I was like, well, you guys aren't going to listen to me. Keep having videos. And that's I'm what I was doing. And then I finally got a call and they were like, are you still feeding him solids? And I was like, no, I stopped that last week. And they're like, good. We think he's got severe esophagitis. And I was like, how do you guys think you've got someone? Like, you, got, you haven't seen that. And they go, no, no, the amount of amount that he's been throwing up, mm. he's going to be hurting his esophagus real hard. Nah. And I was like, I've been trying to tell you this. And so went in for for an endoscopy and severe esophagitis. So he was heavily ulcerated the whole way down. The whole way down. Um, So they were like, great, 20 milligrams of omeprazole, stop solids completely, level two thickened fluids. Um, We're still throwing that up, lo and behold. Um, Got to 14 months old and I was like, uh, guys, he's still on baby formula. I was just like, going to ask what was he having. Yeah, it was just your typical just baby thick- formula. thickened. Thickened. Baby formula. Yeah, thickened optimal gold. Yeah. Like yep. it was nothing fancy. Um, And they were like, oh, really? Like, yeah, like it's what you guys have told me I need to give him. And they've gone, oh, we better change him to Pediasure. So they then moved him to Pediasure at 14 months old because I raised the alarm. Of him maybe not having enough calories from mm. a child his age. Because um, he was active. Active as all hell. Like mm. climbing. Cl- oh, my God. Climbing. I'd find him in the toilet. Like he, you know, the little kitchen play things. He'd be sitting on the top shelf of the kitchen, the play kitchen. Like this kid would be the bane of my existence. Like he, you'd find him in all sorts of places, kitchen cupboards, anywhere that he shouldn't be, he was there. Mm. And um I was like, this kid's too active to be on baby formula. Like, he's not putting on weight. Something else. needs to happen. Yeah. So they put him on Pediasure. And then it was, yeah, nine to ten months of still throwing that up and me telling them that he actually went in for a tune-up. Um, he was ha- he growing pseudomonas. And mm. they called me and they yep. said, yeah, he needs to come in for a tune-up. And, <laughs> yeah, there you go. I just want to bang my head against the table like, right now. It's like our kids just need to be combined into one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah. he was growing pseudomonas and they were like, so he needs to have a pick line. Um, you'll be in a minute for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from there, we'll just see how it goes. So we went in for one week because after that I was pulling my hair out and I was like, get me home. Um, so mm. we went home with a Baxter pump. Came, came home with a Baxter pump for that second week. Um, but that first week was when I said, great, now we're here. Let's you can do. assess his feeding. And um, mm. I think they must hate me. They must hate me because they were like, are uh, you here under a spirit tree? And I was like, and? I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah. Someone else can come and see me. Yeah. And so they came and saw us and the dietitian, she was amazing. This this new dietitian that we saw, I could kiss her feet, honestly. She was like, 
so um, he needs a feeding tube. And I was like, there I we have go. been crying <laughs> out loud for this for how many months now? Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I didn't know what to say. I'm just gobsmacked that like he, he was taken off of solids so long ago off of solids like literally and nutrition yeah and then yeah nothing yeah. is done and then even being left on formula for so long like again you having to raise the alarm it just boggles me uh, yeah it shouldn't because you know yeah. been there done that but you know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know it's really, we get to this point even hearing it yeah, back we... from someone else it still boggles yeah. me <laughs> yeah yep. so we ended up having got the feeding tube put in um and then there was an ngt yeah nasal gas tube yeah so we had that had that in from october then came to february and i was like this is just not sustainable we are Mm. having to tape change him or i'm having to tape change him weekly every every three to four days it is not sustainable to be able to keep changing him like he he absolutely hates it and he like anyone that knows autism strength is Mm. next level like this kid turns into the fucking Hulk and I'm just mm-hmm. sitting there like legs over his arms, like trying to forehead on like forearm on his forehead, like trying to safely do this tape and not have a tube change. Like we'll needing a tube change for it to come out. Um, mm. We managed to make it work eventually, but then they took one look at him in um, DTU and they're like, you can't keep doing this. You just can't keep doing it. He's either going to need to be sedated all the time mm. to even just have a tape change or what are we going to do? And then that's when they said, well, we'll need to look down the point of um, a PEG, a GJ, because by, when was that? By January, February, yeah, he was already was... on continuous feeds. So he was yeah, the okay. tube. My, my whole story yeah. just jumbled up. <laughs> I should have dot pointed this. No. Um, no, no. But by February, January, February, he was continuous oh, yeah. feeds because he couldn't tolerate um, the bolus feeds. So... We were then yep. continuous and I just said, like, it's too much. I can't I can't keep doing it. I don't, I don't know what you expect of me, like, a, to, to maintain this while maintain a typical two-year-old toddler's mm. routine and, and daily routine and lifestyle while having a three-year-old who's not the only kid. Mm. Um, and they were like, all right, we need to look into this. So then we ended up booking in the PEG, PEG, PEG J, PEG, they call it a PEG. Was he on... Um tpt feeds like was it further down into his bowel when he was having the continuous feeds or was it just in the stomach just in the stomach so it was just just your standard nasal gastric tube so we originally um we originally decided to change him to continuous feeds because they put it down to gut dysmotility and gastroparesis so he was throwing up but throwing up his bolus feeds but also Mm -hmm. wasn't going to the toilet so mm. it was just a massive build up, and then the way they okay. explained it to me was like he was like a leaking bucket, as opposed to a flowing tap cycle going through a drain. He's like a leaking bucket where he's holding it all, holding it all, holding it all, and then slowly drip feeding out of the hole. And yeah. it's not okay. enough to maintain a healthy balance for his body. Yeah, and he's either going, all right, I either need to diarrhea this out, which he couldn't because his his brain wasn't sending the right messages to his gut to go, all right, we need to push this push down. Out, yeah. Um, mm. And it was just going, you know what? Bring it all back up because it's obviously it needs to come out. It yeah, because it needs much. to come out. It's too much. I can't handle it. Yeah. So yeah. because he then had the esophagitis, 
um, they were like, he can't, then, keep, he can't keep throwing up. The reflux, the aspiration, he's going to get sick. He's going to get aspiration pneumonia again. Um, what are we going to do about it? So that's when they said we'll go through for the, the PEG J. PEG. So lots of our listeners won't understand the difference, I suppose, between the PEG and the PEG like the peg J. So can you explain the difference and what he needs? Because he's got both. Yeah. Correct. So yeah. he's got one going into the stomach. Yeah. And one going into the intest- intestines. Jejunum. Like, yeah. Gen- I can't say that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> explain that. Yep. So Lincoln has one stoma. So one stoma. And in that stoma we have the one device Mm -hmm. so as opposed to I've seen quite a lot um well not actually I haven't seen a lot because it's not quite common but the people that I have seen have both a G and a J have two separate stomas yeah so definitely Mm -hmm. one thing that I'm grateful for is I only have one stoma to maintain so that stoma has a device in it at the moment we have a frecker Mm -hmm. and that one device has a nine mil a, a nine french gastric so going into peg, the sorry, stomach going into the stomach yeah and then has mm-hmm. a six mil around the outside of that going down into the jejunum so it's a kind of like one big cord that goes down into oh, his jejunum through okay. his stomach but there's also oh, there's also okay. slots in the outer part of yeah. the g yeah to stay at the gastric and then okay. a base plate rather than a balloon does that make sense yes interesting yes. interesting yeah no because i wondered how it was like split inside him no like, no it's going just between, one hole but it's one just going tube yeah okay that goes down that has holes at the top yeah. for the g and then the j goes all the way through yeah but it's six french yeah. the j's is six french Which that's 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 tiny. neonate size that's tiny. Um, tiny. Mm. ends up having a massive argument with the pharmacy actually about it because you can't put you can't put anything down like they were trying mm. to put nexium granules through it and it was blocking it up and i'm like guys we're going to split this tube like i need to have i need to have a suspension and they said well only neonates get suspension so i had to sit there and explain I said, yes That's what he's mm. it's a six french it's exactly a six french but because they calculate the six plus the nine because it's in one yeah one circumference yeah. diameter yeah. <laughs> Because it's one, one tube, hole, one, one tube. tube that's split in between two. Mm. But they've they've not understood that, and I've had to try and educate the pharmacy at the local hospital how, how to dispense medication to them. So then there's two ports mm. on the outer part, so the so freckle line on the externally, and it has two ports, one yeah. G and one for the J. So the J is connected to continuous feeds. Yep. Yeah. And the G is for medication. So, yeah, pretty much all these mm. feed, feeds go through into his jejun, that one. Jejunum. 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 And then, yeah, medication is in the other one. Yeah. How does he go with the flushes with the medication? Fine. Totally fine. So he totally. can tolerate up to 35 mils. Okay. So that's so, good. That, so you know that that's kind of his limit. Yeah. 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 If I go anything more than that, we know it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's and that's cool. why we're on continuous because he couldn't handle anything more than a 35 mil per hour. Per hour. Yeah. Bolus. So. Is this long, is it long term or you just don't know? We have no idea. 
No idea. I feel like for me to ask that question at the moment, I'm just going to get a how long is a piece of string? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's still only early days. Um, we definitely are still looking at changing to a Mick key in September. However, mm-hmm. it'll still be a pedge. Yeah. It'll still be the two port um, Mick key and not just your standard um, peg. Yeah. So interesting. I'm even learning something and I'm a nurse. <laughs> So you're still educating me, like you had to educate educate pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, pharmacy. Well, actually, the first the first day we had it, I don't think I told Grecian. The first day we had it, um, they they came to teach me in on on the ward how to use it because we actually had a couple of complications when he first had it done, and Mm. they came to teach me on the ward how to use it, and they brought up the wrong example, and I had to show her and tell her that it was actually the wrong thing and that's not what Lincoln has um and (laughs) thankfully Siobhan our CNC um stayed with me quite a lot of that hospital stay actually because it was quite traumatic but she she and I were the ones that were educating our our ward nurses how to use it because they hadn't it's just not common it's not common it's not common to have a pen yeah and then to also have the freca rather than the mickey um Mm. and it Mm. was just it was just a headache and a half really where everyone was learning at the same time. Um, we definitely had mm. some consequences from that. So he had to have a port change within a matter of three days because the port was broken. Um, the nurses were using the wrong connector, but they knew that it, it was working. Like the connector that they were yeah. using was they were making do, mm. um, yeah. but they were making do while stretching the G port. So then the cap wouldn't close. So he was just leaking gut contents out mm, because viable. yeah because, <laughs> because the port couldn't close so and being mm. on continuous feeds it's not as though I can just clamp the hose like no you, you clamp the hose oh my god I can't just clamp the tube <laughs> these are your and, brain moments yes I told you my whole life is a brain <laughs> live moment. on podcast <laughs> yeah. yeah look all right let's move on to his autism diagnosis so what signs did he sort of show that made you think about that in the beginning and sort of how hard was it to get a diagnosis and how does this affect his life and your life, I guess? To be brutally honest, he was nine months old and his respiratory specialist who had been following us since day dot effectively said to, said to me on a phone consult, um, Jordan, do you think Lincoln may be on the autism spectrum? And I was like, fuck no. And that was that was one hundred percent. My answer. And he, I just heard crickets on the other end, and it was like, okay, then, um, why do you think that? I'll bring that up in another little little while. (laughs) I went into this justification of why I didn't think he was autistic, and I was like, well, we've not given him the chance. He's just been spending all this time in a cot in a hospital bed, like he's not had the chance to interact with other children and mm. X, Y, Z. And he was like, okay, mm. no worries. Like, well, we'll, we'll touch past that in another three months. And then I called him probably no more than two months later. And I was like, so um, did you do that referral? Cause I think I need it. And he laughed and was like, yes, I've done it. And I was like, thank God. Um, so he did the referral. And at that point I was more so just doing it to tick it off the list. That was mm. that was all it was. It was it wasn't a worry of mine. It was if he's autistic, he's autistic. It just means he gets the support that he needs. Better to and do it, it wasn't early. again. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it then, seems really early yeah. to do it, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, you know what, get him on that list. I know that yeah, list is so long. Um, and then it kind of got to a point where we were only five months later, so like early early on in the year, I think it was just just turned one, one, one and a half or so, mm. and I was like, you know what, I need to be making phone calls because these traits of hand-flapping routines lining things up in a row like and it wasn't even just lining things up like they had to be in patterns if he had books all of those books had to be covered down if he had colors they had to be in like multiple colors so red yellow blue Mm. red yellow blue they had to be in that order Uh, as I said cheese balls before Mm. they had to be in a line everything was lined up um we've got the fat brain spin again yeah and he used to get frustrated that one side of the disc was a different color yeah absolutely would melt down over it like Mm. absolutely hated it um socks left sock on right sock on left shoe on right Mm. shoe on there was no other way around it yeah um and at that point I was really struggling with behaviors and I was like okay this is definitely a cause for concern um Mm. so I ended up reaching out and I think this is where probably one of my very few strengths actually is networking. Um, and that's definitely played in my favor, um, favor, favor, <laughs> um, because I then spoke to our, our speechy and I'd said, look, I think he has some traits. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Let's spend the next couple of weeks looking into it. But in the meantime, call a couple of places and, and see what the wait times were like. Um, Central referral system, so our child development service, they were a three-year wait and we'd already mm. been on the wait list for six months. Wow. And I was like, mm. I can't wait three years. It's just not mm. It's just not soon enough. Um, so I ended up coming across this place in Perth and it was actually a lady that used to work with my speechy um, and she has gone out and connected with a, a psych who have created their own little company and little gig, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, where they come out to your home, they do an assessment, they then go home, write the report, um, put it all together and send it off to you with a diagnosis. So I booked in for March this year after, so he was, yeah, just, just gone too, mm-hmm. just gone too. Um, and it was clear as day. Within the first 10 minutes, I actually mm. said to her when she first rocked up to my house, I was like, I am nervous that you're going to tell me it's just global development delay. And I was like, not downplaying GDD yeah. at all, yeah. but I'm worried now that I've got it in my head that he is autistic yeah, and you're going to tell me that he's not because yeah. that's what's happened every other every other time. Yeah. I've gone, I've gone, I think he may have this. And I've you've gone, got, nah, you've got the pushback. No, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to be heard, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so I sent through these poor ladies I sent them through weeks in advance their payment and I sent them weeks in advance 12 documents going, mm. this is why I think my son's autistic. And um, all of the evidence. All of the evidence. All of the evidence. And I was that's like, what you know you're what? You're so trained to do, like, aren't you? You're just so used yeah, to like, having, to, having to do that. Yeah. 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 If there's anything that the NDIS has taught me, is that I need to have that bloody evidence. <laughs> evidence. So I sent it all and they called me um, a week or two later and they're like, so we've read through it all. Uh, we'll, we'll be at your house at this time and this date and, you know, we really look forward to meeting you. And I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> oh, it's getting closer. Um, but, yeah, they rocked up and then within 15 minutes of playing with Lincoln, the speechy, uh, the psych actually, looked up at me and she goes, you don't have any worries, you're going to get a diagnosis. And at that point I was like, 
awesome. Um, then come the end of the assessment, I didn't realise just how autistic he was. Yeah. And I think that's what hurt me the most. Yeah. I mm. was expecting a diagnosis. I knew that he was autistic. I had people try and tell me and downplay, you know, he's just a boy. He has not he's had the not, chance. He's only two. He's, he's only yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. And then um, for them to go, so for him to meet the severe criteria, mm. he needs a score of 14. I remember telling you this, yeah. actually. He needs a score of 14. Lincoln scored 28. And mm. I was like, oh, I can feel my heart ripping through my chest. Um, and at that, I'm going to cry. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> thinking. That was a point that I was like, cool now what does this mean because i've prepared for the diagnosis i'm not prepared for the intensity at all and then you know i've you tell everyone oh he's severely autistic and they've gone oh but he's quite active and oh but he's very clever and i'm like oh my goodness like how do you how do you how do you educate society uh, to you know to, to mold into this neurodivergent world when everyone's so educated and raised to be neurotypical so mm. trying to trying to now change that stigma around I think I think changing the stigma around autism has actually been harder for me mm. than tube feeding. Like tube mm. feeding to me, yeah. everyone's like they're almost scared of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, almost yeah. oh, that's very invasive. Oh, I don't want to look. Oh mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm like, it's fine, I'm feeding my kid. Like <laughs> doesn't mm. bother me. No. Um And it's really not that hard at the end of the day. Like it's not. There's a procedure. There's a way it's done. You don't have to think twice. Like you follow. Yeah. Everyone does it the same. Whereas, yeah, autism is every kid's so different, and it's scary. It's un. It's unknown even to you. It's, that's definitely the hardest know, part. Like, and yeah. I sit there and I go, okay, so does that then mean he's going to be able to ride a push bike? Because although physically he may mm. be able to eventually, I mean, at the moment he can't now, but if we're working on that physically, how do I then help him work on that mentally if it's just not there? Um, and what what does that then mean as well in terms of feeding? Is that then going to also contribute? And, and it will, it, 100% it will. But then having mm. having society turn around and effectively try and downplay, you can't downplay tomb feeding. It's there, it's in front of you. Yeah, it's, it's right there. It's right there. There's, there's nothing that you can try and yeah. twist and say yeah. to make it not there. Um, whereas it's an invisible mm. diagnosis, isn't it? It's an invisible disability. People don't take mm-hmm. it as seriously as what they should or they'll compare. And I think that's the hardest part, having people compare and go, mm. my nephew's autistic and he's very, very bright and he does really well in school. And then you speak to someone else and they've gone, oh, my 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 daughter actually needs to be homeschooled because she struggles in mm. um, in a mainstream school but then a special ed support mm. um, school won't take her on and I hear that many variances where fear of the known is hard it is huge like massive massively huge yeah and there's there's no manual for it you know like it's, it's a completely different ball game yeah I think it's interesting what you said earlier about knowing like preparing yourself for a diagnosis and mm. then the severity of it hitting you and smacking you in the face. Like as soon as you said that, I've thought back to, you know, the diagnosis we've received. And because I think you spend your whole time researching, fighting, um, convincing people, like 
trying to get that diagnosis across the line mm. when we actually do get it then it, like the reality of the diagnosis hits us and then it's like a smack in the face and you're like shit now I've got this diagnosis it fucking hurts and how am I going to deal with that like it's something we haven't really talked about here before um, and I think it's a really interesting point and I think as well so that when it comes to the NDIS and autism they kind of look at it and go great you've got another diagnosis that's an extra tick mm. in terms of funding it really means stuff all um it's not as though you're going to then get anything more I mean what more can they be doing he's already does physio already does OT already does speech yeah. what else is there that that can be intertwined to support autism and there's really not much at all and I think now that I've got the diagnosis and now that I have to keep fighting um for that extra support to be able to not only help him physically and medically but also now um mentally as well the NGIS look at it and kind of go good job like you just go in another bucket and there's no real there's no real formal supports mm. that you can get from NDIS, no matter how much autism awareness and um, supports that you can provide and evidence you can provide to them for that. Mm. And that's something that our LA, LAC said. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm pending his letter to come through. Once I get his letter, I'll send it through. And hopefully that'll, you know, help us with our plan review. And she's gone, oh, babe, it probably won't actually really mean too much at all. We can probably just submit it without it. And I was like... Oh. So you're telling me I've just spent three and a half thousand dollars getting this report and pushed so so hard, and I and had it's to really going to make a difference. Yeah, I had to really reflect and kind of go, okay, no, mm. it might not help that way, but it will help in so many other ways. Having yeah. this, and I think having it so young, um, oh. everyone's like, wow, he's so little, yeah. and you've already got an assessment. And I'm like, when it's clear as day, it's clear yeah. as day. Like, yeah. what, yeah. what else do you do? But it's definitely something that makes me, I don't know if it helps or if it makes it harder, like uh, having the diagnosis. It makes me more aware mm. of the things that he's going to struggle with um, mm. and even the things that he struggles with now, it gives him a reason and, uh, you know, I feel like that yeah, validates it. validates. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, okay, this is why. I don't have to stress about him being in pain or anything. It's because mm. he's, he's struggling with a sensory overload or things like this, but yeah. the chewing and the licking and the oh my goodness, it's it's Riley mm. 2.0. It, it <laughs> yeah, is 100%, 100% Riley. He will go through at the moment he's in this thing of chewing on his dummies and I've tried to squeak and it just doesn't work. It's not what he wants. He wants mm. a dummy. And he has chewed through Three. five dummies in a matter of four days. He will mm. sit there gnawing on it. That's an expensive like, habit, So Lincoln. expensive. So <laughs> expensive. But I'm like, you know what? It's giving it's, him that yeah, sensory, exactly. That's what he needs. sensory input that he needs that he's seeking yeah. and I, I stupidly tried to take one off him today and it was an hour long meltdown. Yeah, that's mm. not worth it. it's not worth it, is it? Yeah. I, it worries me. He's two years old and he can already hurt me. Like what am I going to be looking at when he's 16? What what are other kids going to be looking at when they have an altercation in the playground? Like what do we mm. – and I think that's another thing that that mum guilt, mum guilt hits differently. Mm hits differently Isla was to bite another kid and it's age appropriate you kind of go okay it's age appropriate I need to educate her that it's not the right thing yeah. to do mm. but Lincoln goes to bite another kid and it's like how do I then how do I draw yeah. that line between behavioral and age appropriateness and being autistic yeah I feel like we're going through that now with Riley because obviously pending if she gets her autism diagnosis I feel like even the girls say sometimes like why can Riley do that and we can't yeah 
or why does it Riley have to help pack away and we do and I'm like like I don't know how to explain to them that like Riley just doesn't get it she she just doesn't understand And to them it just doesn't seem fair like to them yeah. it's so it's a, it's not fair black and white it's but it's fair. just it's not, not yeah but you're trying to explain yeah. to kids that they just don't get it but there is no point in us fighting and getting so worked up at trying to get her to help pack away because she's just not going to do it anyway and then we're going to be more yeah over the top and then well, she's going to bounce back off that and then it's just going to lead into that hour long meltdown yeah but the girls think it's so unfair. Mm. So, yeah, we, we're that at the moment. It's hard. It's so hard. And I think the hardest part is even just the explanation. How, how do you – how can you explain it? How do you turn, <laughs> I don't know. How do you turn around and go, it's just because? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas I, mm. I ask Isla to pack away and she'll be like, okay, but Linky – or she calls him Linky Jink at the moment. Linky no. Jink is this new thing. So <laughs> Linky Jink, come pack away and he will just – walk the opposite way yeah and I'm like it's okay Isla you come over here and I'll pack away with you and then I feel like I'm like Isla's that glass child yeah you know like the the kid without the disability is the glass child everyone everyone asks you how's Lincoln how's Lincoln how's how is he going how's this going and then I'm like okay and Isla's doing fine thanks for asking like she's over there if you want to go and talk to her um whereas trying to then explain and involve myself to help her pack away and help her do the tasks that really both kids at that age should be should able to be do. Able do and understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. And or, you know, it's okay, Isla, you can put your own clothes on. I'm just gonna help Lincoln. And then she has a meltdown because she wants me to help her put her clothes on. And I'm like, okay, so at what age do I then start trying to educate her to go, I know that you want me to do it because I do it with Lincoln, but you're at an age now where you're you're a big girl. You can you can do it yourself. And then trying to make that fun for her while trying to also support Lincoln to effectively not make him feel eventually we'll get to a point where he'll be like, Mum, why can't I do that? You know, why don't I have the ability to put my own shoes on? And, you know, I think mm. how do you then educate one kid that it's so important they know how to do it themselves, but then you have to try and educate another kid to go, It's okay that you can't do it yourself. I'm gonna cry thinking about yeah. that. Exactly exactly where we are with yeah. Riley and the other girls yeah and especially when Hannah because we've got yes. that direct comparison Hannah yeah. was like trying to get dressed when she was younger but mum you need to help me and I'm like no but you can do it yourself yeah while you're dressing Riley. While, while we're dressing Riley yes at the same time. Mm. yeah so that's yeah really hard isn't it mm. all right so when I asked you if there was anything in particular you're passionate about discussing for the podcast you said and yes I'm going to quote you to you right now (laughs) you said that advocating and networking in this space is huge for you you said I thrive in it and I do think it's the one of the only reasons I've gotten where I am in Link's journey so far yeah so this is obviously something that's huge for Grecian and I because we're also very open about sharing and educating and raising awareness in this space And it also brings us a lot of comfort and almost healing in a way as well. Why do you think that it's been so helpful for you? And do you think it's played a huge part in your mental health and your coping with everything? I think it's played probably the biggest part in being able to keep my head above water. Um, So I started Lincoln's Journey Instagram page in October. So when he first had his nasal gastric tube, and I think it was because at that point I was like, this is a pinnacle point where I am going to feel alone and I need a community behind me that isn't people that I have to explain myself to. Yeah. Um, 
every second appointment, things were changing. Every admission, things were changing. And having to explain it to people all over again was just mentally draining. So I thought, you know what, if I document this Mm -hmm. in an Instagram, on a public forum, I'm going to reach other people who are in a similar space. Mm -hmm. I can support them while supporting myself. And I, it might sound really, what are you, I mean, up myself. I'm an overachiever (laughs) because my way of coping is by helping other people. Do you know what I mean? Like I overachieve to cope. I put more pressure on myself. I dig myself into work. I dig myself Mm. into research to making sure other people are okay so I can cope. Mm. And I had to try and twist that around to be like, okay, I'm going to use my own journey with Lincoln as a way to put it on paper or on social media So other people can find me in the local community um, that can connect with and go, oh, wow, that's that's so much like me or so much like my daughter or my son. And um, after seeing Grecian do it for so long as well, you know, like it it had been about a year before that, that I'd actually reached out to you. Um, And I was like, okay, tell me, tell me what, tell me where you're at, because I feel like Riley is so similar to Lincoln on a feeding perspective and an airway perspective that I need to know what you've done to get me to that point because at the moment I feel like Lincoln needs the same supports Riley has um, and that's effectively where we are now. So I, I'm a, I'm a talker. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Um, I will call people and I'll be like, look, this is the situation that I'm in and this is what I think I need. What do you think or can you help me? Um, and that's how I managed to find all of our therapists on it on my own. I didn't have, I didn't you're, have, you're bloody amazing at finding oh, everyone. I, I didn't have anyone to help. I had no idea what a support coordinator was. I had no idea what any of this NDIS words and language were. I was just like, you know what? I just need to start calling people. Mm. And I did. And I ended up finding amazing therapists and I'd be lost without them. But by calling them going, Hey, you're really, really good at what you do. So you're not going to recommend someone who's shit who do you think I need for a physio? Mm. And then I got in touch with my physio and then I asked the same thing about our OT and that's how I've managed to interwine. So funnily enough, all of our therapists work for themselves. They used to work for Therapy Focus and they've all gone out on their mm-hmm. own backs, mm-hmm. but then they remember those people that they used to work yeah. with that have also gone out mm. on their own and are yeah. thriving as individuals and with their own business yeah. that genuinely care. Yeah. So then from there, I then got chatting to other support coordinators going, okay, I don't have support coordinator hours. Um, what do you think I need for my next plan? And I was open and upfront when told them, you know, I probably will still take this on my own back um, until, I, until I then met with Hayley. I had that chat with Hayley and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm drowning. Mm. I'm actually drowning yeah. and I need some help. And she said, yeah, no worries. I was already halfway through this plan, um, plan review. And she said, you know, once once you get that, come back to me. And I think this is now the part where I'm going to have to hand over some things because, like, as of, I don't know if you guys noticed, like, the last week and a half, I've had to go offline. Like, it's been too much for me recovering with the stoma, having the trauma with his page, um, going through all that. I just needed a break where I needed to... I needed to live the day-to-day routine of being in this disability space, but I couldn't be there to help others at that point. Mm. I needed to be there for myself. Um, But it's definitely something that I want to do more in. I want to be a voice for other people who don't know that you can do these certain things with your NDIS plan. Mm. Like Lincoln does hippotherapy 
and every Monday he does yeah, horse, so jealous every Monday so horseback riding physiotherapy and I put that on my social media and everyone's like is he doing horse riding and I'm like no he's doing hippotherapy and so <laughs> trying to trying to educate people to go you can get so much more yeah. out of mm. this community and so much more out of this space and the the funding that you do have if you just talk to people and find out what they're using theirs with um we're using theirs for and I think that's probably one of my, my as I said, my only strength is networking. Like getting not only stop. One of my very <laughs> one strength, of your biggest, biggest strength is networking. Yeah. Is networking and just getting out there and being honest. And I think is the biggest thing as well. Like I don't, I don't sugarcoat it. There's no point. There's no point in sugarcoating it. Mm. I'm more than happy to tell you the struggles that we face, but I'm also more than happy to yell from the rooftops all those all those amazing moments that we've had where we've actually come on top and I've gone. All that fighting is so worth it, yeah. and I've 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 done it. I've absolutely done mm. it. And people are going, oh, I can't believe you've you know you're so strong. You 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 know you do so much. And how do you do it? And I'm like, you just fucking have to. Mm-hmm. Like if we're not gonna do it, who else mm. does? Who else does? So from finding respiratory specialists and having them under our wing and getting them to believe us to then turn around and go, all right, now we're going to have our own private CNC. Yeah, I know. And Thanks. Then- <laughs> Fuck for you finding Siobhan. Fuck and, you, Siobhan. <laughs> um, we lost without her. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it could be 10 o'clock at night and I could message her with a random thing that I found online and she's like, But oh, we well, didn't even know that was an option. No, no idea. Had absolutely no idea. And it wasn't until I started researching going, I need more evidence. Who can I use to help me with more evidence? And who can I use to help me? find out these type of things that Lincoln mm. needs, like his absence seizures. How do I know he's having that night? What what do I need to do? Um, and I met with her. And I know you've spoken about your meeting with her before, but I met with her and I was just gobsmacked. Mm. I was just like all of this stuff I had no idea about when I thought I had it all. Um, and I think every day, every day in this space is just something different and there's no other way to navigate it without talking to other people and going, hey, I know you posted about this. What do you mean by that? And that's how you end up coming across it. You know, Siobhan, you're like, what's a CNC? Yeah, and I was yeah, like, mate, exactly. I've got no idea. Like, I'll tell you about I'll tell it you tomorrow. After, yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And then it was the week after that you met there, wasn't it? <laughs> and it's just, there's just no other way. There's no other way around it. And I think that's where I, I don't know, I, I, I like the fact that I can talk my little heart out and advocate my little heart out and, help so many other people. I think that's definitely Yeah, you're definitely amazing at that. Definitely my biggest um pride moment, I think. Being able to go, you know what, I've I've helped I've helped you. And that's probably my biggest yeah, biggest heartfelt moment is knowing that I've helped other people by just being a loud mouth, really. (laughs) (laughs) Being a loud mouth. Oh, it's so good. I love it. And it's it's the only like you said, it is for for me and I think Grecian it has been the only way for us too I think it's the only way I would have gotten through this not just like I in terms of yeah helping people sharing my story and almost healing by getting it out there like it's a form of therapy but mostly like you said from connecting with people and going I had no fucking idea I could do that or I had no idea that that was even a thing I didn't even know a support coordinator was a thing until I think even Hayley got into it like I didn't even know you could get that in your plan like how do you know to ask for a support coordinator if you don't even know 
what a support coordinator, yeah. coordinator exactly. is or that they're around because no one's going to tell you See, this. See, I knew about it from you. Yeah, no one's. Yeah, I knew I, about I, it from I, I, knew about, I knew about Connect Care from when Gratian put it in the podcast. I was like, what is this Care? And then care? I got it from Lucy. Yeah. And it's just, isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. 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 It's crazy. The power of social media. It's so, and then it's yeah. friendships. Like, yeah. Yeah. Having having those people that get it, yeah. they go, oh my god, sit in the shit with you. Yes, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I've never heard that before, but yes, that they they get it, and I think that's probably a big thing where you don't have to validate it. You don't have to turn around and go, my son is X Y Z because, yeah. or we can't come out to lunch because. Yeah. And if you yeah. say, babe, I'm not up to it today, they go, oh, are you okay? Like, what's happened? Yeah, yeah, um, and genuinely get it genuinely get and genuinely it. want to know like they're not just asking just because they feel they have to yeah yeah they care. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah, they care and an interesting a good point as well that you mentioned about needing to take a break from social media too at times um something that I try and practice even if it's just going quieter for a little while maybe just ignoring some, my inbox for a little while because I do feel it can become I don't want to say overwhelming or a burden but it it can become like it can overtake your own life sometimes you know like when you're trying to respond and be active and constantly trying to yeah get back to everyone and help other people I think it's a good point you made and it's good for your own mental health to have that break because it can become everything this we're already living this medical disability world every single day 24 24 7 it's hard to then take on 20 other people's stuff as well as much as we love to do it I think another thing as well like I get really obsessed with it Mm. so I'll find myself digging down all these rabbit holes and going okay so if this is a diagnosis that he doesn't have yet but he's got all these symptoms and what could that mean and then what tests do I need to organize to get this done Mm. and I think because it has been such a fight for the last I mean, I say two years, but it's in the scheme of things, it's really not long at all, but such a fight for two years to go, okay, well, I, I've got to keep going. So then you go down these rabbit holes and yeah. then it's, you know, as I said before, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, mm. 2 o'clock in the morning where I'm like, okay, I need to stop now because my brain is just not, it's not slowing down. It's hard um, to switch that I'm off, getting isn't getting obsessed it? and mentally worked up about yeah. it so hard yeah so so because you're just in that go 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 you're in that and like you said it's been in, it's, yeah you've it's been just... in that mode for so long like that's all you've known for two years literally it's all you've done yeah um you've put all of your energy yeah. time into find... it and it's hard to switch that off it becomes a habit yeah, yeah. trying yeah. to find new odd and like new um what do you call them like new products like the free arm like i would have been oh yeah like did you find out the free arm from when i posted it yeah yeah and then the tube belt did you end up getting the tube belt not yet no but it's on my list yeah and it's just finding new products that I know will help and make Mm. this make this journey so much easier for not Mm. only ourselves but everyone else but then I then get into a a rabbit another rabbit hole of (laughs) going okay so there's now this awesome bed that's out and and then here I am sending Siobhan ten thousand dollar worth of beds and she's like okay let's calm down okay good night but yeah it just becomes so true like I remember when I came across the tubey fun backpack went before that was and now you see it in every second person's page like everyone's got the tubey fun backpack because it started somewhere yeah I know what how did we ever live without them but we did well I did yeah yeah so tell us about the free arm now that you've mentioned it you should probably 
if it's helped, give it a little recommendation. Oh my god, it is amazing. That's I could give you a list of all these amazing things. The second scout thing I know you asked me about earlier, and that's because it was definitely my number one at the moment. But this free arm, okay, so the free arm is amazing. So what it is 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 a portable, clampable pole for your pump and your bag or if you like to use a syringe for gravity feeding as well and it's maneuverable though yeah so it's like can... a what do you call it it's like a muscle arm a muscle arm is exactly what she calls it and mm. you can clamp onto the pram the desk the car anywhere you like with this amazing like g clamp that it has and on the opposite end you can either have a syringe clamp or you can flip it around so it can hold your bag uh, for your for your feeds and with the pole clamp that comes with your pump, you can connect it and it is just a, is a movable, collapsible IV pole pretty much that can just be put anywhere you need. Saved my ass in hospital admissions, like 100%. Yeah. But I particularly love it because with Lincoln being on continuous feeds, he doesn't have to wear a backpack to go to sleep. So yeah. when he had his back to pump through to when he – just before he had his hedge done, he was sleeping with a backpack on because he moves around too much and I could have a backpack. Yeah, Yeah, like because Riley's ghost is next to her, Yeah, but she gets tangled. Yeah, so he moves around too much. He will wake up. So Lincoln's the kind of kid that you can like breathe next to him and he'll wake up. So Mm. he will wake up to the pump noise um, and he'd wake up and he'd be playing with it. And so I'd be waking up to these beeping. Oh. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a change setting beep, not a not an air mm. beep. What's going on? Um, and obviously, because he's on four hourly flushes and four hourly medication, it I'd be like two hour block sleeps because I'd, I'd be oh, up fixing God. his pump because he'd be playing with it, and then I'd be up in another two hours doing his flush. So the benefit of having that is that I can stick that to his bedside table. And it's far enough away for him to be able to move, yeah. but it's far enough away where he can't touch it and can't, can't play, with, play it. with it. So here we yeah. have a Lincoln that is sleeping without a backpack. Amazing. Um, and it's it's phenomenal. And it's so much better for him in terms of just even being in the pram. Like he doesn't need to have that clunky backpack behind him or extra cords about because it, it holds up effortlessly really. That's going to be huge. That's a huge recommendation because you you see so frequently in the feeding tube groups people looking for the the pump stands, the old school ones, yes. the metal. Yes. The, they're, they're like the most highly sought after item. We have one. I shouldn't tell people. They'll be trying to track me down <laughs> and steal it. <laughs> but we have yeah, one and I get, I get so many questions asking, oh, my God, where did you get that stand? You see people using or like do-it-yourselfing shower caddies to be like – yeah to work well, to have asked, a pump yeah so these are gonna that's, that's a great recommendation I asked the hospital when we first got sent home because we don't have uh, we don't well I shouldn't say this we have a hospital pump but I don't use it um we have yeah. a nutrition flow care infinity pump like you guys do and yeah. when I first asked them for a pole they're like go to Bunnings and use a broomstick mm. like Use a broomstick and duct tape it to his bed. Thanks, yeah, that's really, use... that's really helpful. And I was like, how is that effective? Um, but yes, and how is that professional? Freon... Like, seriously? I'm not sure yeah, they should even, that's I was not baffled. safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But yeah, that was the recommendation that we got. And then I came across this. But I think um, Chubby Fun and Surgical House are now selling them. I think so, yeah. 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 They're amazing. Yeah. They are a must have. And I'm sure you can use your NDIS plans to pay for it too. 
even the flow care infinity stands that you get now they're like the most unpractical thing they're like a plastic box that you sit the pump yeah. in I don't know if you've seen the new style that replaced the old metal style they're so poorly designed and people that have it go I don't I don't even it's like it. I don't even want to use it like stuck like, together yeah. isn't it like you yeah kind of basically it it's just like a stand like that yeah. you would put display it's a product in, in a shop yeah. <laughs> it's pretty um, yeah. very basic and even like if you're using a they're designed to hold like the 500 mil flasks. So if you're using like, we only use a baby bottle still like the sepal bottles because Jack only has 200 mils. They don't even sit in there properly. Like they don't fit properly. They kind of dangle about. Yeah. So yeah. Great recommendation. All the things that you just, again, I only found all of this out by following people and asking the questions. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. What's that set up? What the hell are you using? How are you attaching a cinchy to a, tube feed like all the things yeah yep. that's what I was asking do you remember when we first started yeah I, and yeah, I, was, I was gonna say I was like you need this you need this you need this you need this yeah <laughs> I'm like what does that mean yeah yeah all right we've chatted long enough I think <laughs> it's late I need bed is there anything else you want to say Jordan Apart from sorry that I ramble on. No, <laughs> no we love a talk. Can't you no, tell? No, you're amongst friends here who love to talk. <laughs> I think what you're doing, and you're reaching so many people already, I didn't realise that you only started sharing in October. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even realise that your feeding journey only started then, and you are. You're already reaching so many people and helping so many people, and it's incredible. And just the – I think people don't understand the the time and the effort that it does take to put into actively posting on social media, um, responding yeah. to all of the messages um, on top of everything you're already doing. I think you're incredible and so yeah. inspiring. Yeah, you're amazing. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Maybe you cry again. Yeah. Oh, and you've like, you're a hoot. You've been so much fun. I was like, we need to have this girl back. Yeah, good Perth people, <laughs> hey? Yeah, I love you, Perth people. Why? Well, maybe I will. You move. need to move over here and say, get better so, internet. So we want to organise a trip over here, or yeah. what are we doing? Yes, how good would that be, girls' night? Oh my god! Yep, we'll start. We'll start planning it now for like three years' time, and it might happen. Yeah, <laughs> sounds yeah. good. I will admit, actually, I did lose it laughing at that most recent reel that you put up, where Jack's Jack's running for a cuddle. Oh, the so- oh, yeah. socially awkward Jack, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like, so I was like, oh my god, that just that hits my feels. <laughs> Truly hits my feels. And it's that like, funny because you get us on a yeah. podcast and you just can't shut us up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know how awkward how awkward we are when I when I, I am when I'm in public in trying to have a conversation with someone when like all my life just revolves around feeding tubes and therapies and yep. someone asks me they say how are you and I say hello <laughs> <laughs> so I mean knocking on Grace's door and I was like do I knock or do I message and I knocked like, yeah. bouquet of flowers I was like there's a few she's like what <laughs> I was like okay thank you because <laughs> I felt awkward <laughs> Oh, she's poor, amazing. Poor Justin's just like, uh, okay, like what it's if, just a date night. Yeah. <laughs> Should I be worried? I bought my own flowers that are on the table. <laughs> Otherwise I'll start singing the song. I can buy myself flowers. Yeah. 
All right, guys, this has been fun. <laughs> thank you so thank much, you, Jordan, for coming and spending the night with us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Sorry for my rambling. Don't ever stop sharing that gorgeous boy. Gosh, I love him. I do. I love him. Yeah, he's so beautiful when I saw him. him in person. So handsome. When we bumped into each other at PCH. Oh, like, yeah. He, yeah, he's just stunning. Like when he eventually looked up. Yeah, he is a nice spunk. Oh, he's. You just have to get his attention like hardcore before you get to see his eyes in full form. But he definitely has a little spunk. And he knows it. Yeah. He knows it. Sure does. And you're doing an amazing job. Thank you. And I'm so grateful you're in my Yep. Now I'm going to cry. Just just a stalker that he's on Instagram. <laughs> That's fine. That was like Lizzie too. <laughs> That's how all of our friendships start, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Absolutely. Well, thank oh, yeah. you for having me. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. We'll speak soon. Bye. Bye.